Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's weird. He's like a Spanish Scottish person. Yeah. I don't understand yeah, it. It's at all. weird. It's very uh. weird. <laughs> Welcome to. Gold Diamonds and Death, a James Bond podcast. I'm your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the CinemaSense brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor. He's the co-founder of CinemaSense, co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia, and he has, in fact, had all of his past lovers fill out comment cards after each and every romantic encounter. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I don't either. No, I think it's great. I, can't, mm. I also can't wait to talk about that scene, by the I way. I always like to improve. <laughs> And uh, and he's also one of my good friends, Mr. Chris Atkinson. How are you doing this week? Hello, doing all right, doing awesome. fine. And this week we're uh, we're once again uh, we have we have gone away from Eon Productions once before. We talked about the 1967, I believe, Casino Royale. Yep. And last week we talked about the 1983 film Octopussy, which was Eon Productions. That was the official James Bond release that that year. But there was another James Bond movie released that year. Uh, Kevin McClory. Is it Kevin McClory? Yeah, Kevin yep. McClory, uh, who we've talked about in the past. He's back. He finally has gotten his uh, remake of Thunderball, I guess you would call it. Uh, and this movie that we're going to be talking about this week is called Never Say Never Again. Although you probably can say never again to an offshoot Bond movie ever again. <laughs> but I'd, now that now that uh, they've actually got the rights to all this stuff again, obviously. I would say so, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but uh, although I get confused about copyright law because it's interesting to me that, like, you can have, like, all these Dracula movies and all these, you know, like, you, you, you like, like, I know the, I know, like, Universal has the rights to, like, what Dracula, what their Dracula looks like. So you can't copy that look. But, like, we could just go make a Dracula movie. No one would say shit. Uh, yeah, I think the, the idea is it, covers certain things like i don't yeah. I, I think the bram stoker story may this is i'm i'm just saying this as an example exactly. and i'm not saying this is the way the copyright works yeah but i get the sense that the bram stoker story is uh is like uh public domain at this point yeah correct and and but then the dracula that the unit that universal did is like yeah okay here are all the elements of this dracula that you can't copy yeah exactly and 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 so like if you try to do anything like use character names from that or you use you know those little specific things that are uh then you can't do it and i think uh and and the the bond stuff like makes a lot just makes no sense at all there's all sorts of stuff yeah. in the bond uh things like when ian fleming said oh you can't uh adapt this book uh totally mm-hmm. at all 
you can all my other stuff is fair, is fair game but like this this what was the book that was it the spy you love me or which one was it that he, i don't i honestly i mean we talked about that early on i i don't remember yeah. right now it might have even been casino royale i just um i know that was held separately at one point no there was uh, a there was a one in that roger moore did oh, that's in the right. 70s that was they they couldn't adapt any part of that book for some reason and they they only got parts of it in there um you're but, right spy like, you love me yeah, I think it was a spy level. Yeah. So they, so it was that one, and then, and then there was the, and this we'll get into all this yeah. later. But this one has such a weird yeah. history. Uh, you know, I can see why Ian Fleming didn't necessarily have the rights to this, mm-hmm. this one, or or that, and, and and therefore Eon didn't. So I don't know. It's it, it is weird. Copyright. Yeah. Uh, long story short, what you were just saying, copyright is weird and. You have to be very careful, I guess. Yeah, well, and I mean, you look at like stuff. all the the Friday the Thirteenth stuff that's going on right now. It's like somebody has rights to that title, but then somebody else has rights to Jason, and then somebody mm-hmm. else has rights. To, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just it's it's fucking nuts. But uh, also, mm-hmm. I guess also, I did I don't know what the public domain is. I would assume the Bond novels. I mean, at some point they're going to have to be in the public domain. So maybe at that point, um, people could do some stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but anyways, this movie is called Never Say Never Again. Let's go ahead. We've already kind of teased some of the stuff, so let's just go ahead and jump into this. Uh, All right. We'll go to our first segment, which we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm gonna make a movie! We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We're gonna scour through the history of Eon Productions, and in this case, not Eon Productions, but we are going to be talking about uh, a different production company that made this movie, and that movie is, of course... Uh, Never Say Never Again. And that production company actually is Talia Film, which um, I did not know this, but uh, that is... uh, uh, So it's uh, Jack Schwartzman, uh, who was married to Talia Shire. And um, this Talia Film is named after after her. Uh, They are the parents of one Mr. Jason Schwartzman, uh, who is obviously a a very acclaimed actor... uh, musician if you're a phantom mm-hmm. old phantom planet fan well california yep. uh yeah i don't but uh but yeah so uh jack schwartzman uh comes into this he comes in this a little later though but i will just say real quick just to start this off like i usually do i'll do the release stuff uh never say never again was released on october 7th 1983 in the u.s december 15th in the uk this was uh i don't know five months i guess after uh, octopussy came out it was you know octopus was in the summer so uh, four months, maybe. Uh, reported budget of $36 million, which uh, around $100 million today. And then it grossed about $160 million worldwide, which is a little over $400 million today. So it was a hit. It was not as big of a hit as Octopussy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't far off, but it wasn't quite. Octopussy grossed around 187 So there's about a $27 million difference. Uh, it did, however, set the October o- record. It set the record for openings in October, though. It made $10 million its opening weekend, which at that time, which is crazy... That's pretty yeah for damn 1983. Solid. I mean, it's it and it's just crazy to think yeah. that like 10 million was a was a record holder. <laughs> I mean, now now I mean yeah now if you don't get that in your first like showing of the day, then you're yeah because I think I think Wakanda Forever almost. just broke it beat catching it beat one of the Hunger Games. I think it was Catching Fire. It it beat the November opening 
by like 30 million or something. Mm-hmm. But that's like we're getting well into the hundred millions. I mean, we're well past, you know, 10 million at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know what the record is in October right now, but I'm sure it's something ridiculous. I'm sure it's a Marvel movie or DC or something. But anyways, it so it did. It actually beat it actually beat Octopussy's opening weekend, too. But it obviously didn't uh, didn't beat didn't didn't beat it overall. Uh, it made 55 million mm-hmm. in the U.S., which put it at 14th at the U.S. box office. I forgot to write down Octopussy's, but I think Octopussy was like eighth. It was seventh or eighth or something like that. So it still finished. It still finished pretty high yeah. for that year. Uh, it finished a little ahead of Jaws 3D and a little behind yeah. uh, The Big Chill, because The Big Chill was fucking huge. Uh, that's a movie that I don't think anybody yeah. really talks about anymore, but that was a big deal back then. Uh, they don't. Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Uh, it's funny to think Jaws 3D made that much money, too. Like, that's crazy. But uh, this was, of course, like we said, this wasn't Eon Productions. This was Talia Film. Uh, it was actually distributed by Warner Brothers, and then uh, I already mentioned the thing about Tyler Shire and uh, and uh, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, but I will say it's interesting though. I don't. I mean, I don't know where MGM is now. I get so confused because I think Amazon, I guess, owns MGM. But MGM did actually purchase the rights back to. They actually got the rights to Never Say Never Again in 1997. So as far as I know, uh, mm-hmm. it's still under the same. It's still actually under the the Bond umbrella at this at this time. Um, I'm not positive about that because mm-hmm. I know Amazon did not put it on their streaming service, even though they put all the other Bond films on their streaming service. Yeah, I think it's just a. I think it's a, a lot of times when they buy s- properties that are similar to the the main one, they don't. They still don't want to mix them up. Um, so that's what it comes. With. By the way, Octopussy was sixth in 1983, so it wasn't too far behind it. Um, you can watch this like it's streaming, but like like you it's really hard to get a physical copy of this like the Blu-rays out of print. Uh, like I looked out of curiosity. Mm. I think like it was like eight, going for like eighty seven dollars or something on Amazon. But uh, you can rent it. I mean, you can wow. you can watch it on just about any streaming service. And it's a really nice, uh, you know, HD print uh, mm. that I watch. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so production of this movie. So we got Kevin McClory, who, like I said, we've talked about in the past. Uh, he had been fighting for the rights to Thunderball uh, for the last several years. And, you know, he finally was able to kind of go ahead and get this movie made. This started back in the 60s. I think we discussed a little bit of this on earlier episodes. So we might repeat ourselves. But uh, yep. But uh, Kevin McClory and Jack Whittingham, along with Ian Fleming, uh, they write a script for a Bond film called Longitude 78 West, which eventually that would... Uh, be a novel that uh, Fleming would write called Thunderball. Uh, when Fleming wrote the novel, though, even though it was based on the screenplay, he worked on with two other people and probably didn't even write that much of the screenplay. He did not give them any credit. Uh, he thought that was okay. That right. he could just take the story and turn it into a novel. <laughs> yep. And like, I think I said this in the Thunderball uh, one. It, it, if you are the creator of James Bond, then you probably, like, it's a shitty thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not trying to defend what he's doing here, but if you're the creator of James Bond and two other assholes and they're not assholes probably, but two other assholes want to take credit for your James Bond character story, anything you're probably like, fuck those guys. I'm going to write, I'm writing my own book and this is my character and so on. But yeah, he should have been like, here, have some credit. Why not? I mean, he's rich at this point should be anyway. So back then, Eon Productions eventually just made a deal with McClory so they could make Thunderball. And then he basically couldn't do anything mm-hmm. with that property for 10 years. 
So for 10 years, Eon could, you know, they could use Spectre, they could use Blofeld, they could, you know, do all that stuff. So then the 1970s roll around, McClory starts working on a new adaptation. He called this Warhead, and he was writing it with uh, Lynn Dayton, who is a, a pretty famous uh, novelist, wrote a lot of spy novels. Uh, there was a series of films made with Michael Caine. I, I, I can't remember the name of the spy. Harry Palmer, it's something like that. It's uh, The Ipocris File is, is one of them. Uh, but anyways, uh, Lynn Dayton mm-hmm. was a very popular novelist at the time. Sean Connery, I couldn't get complete confirmation that he was involved at this point, but he was still with Eon, so I, d- I don't know that he was. Well, this was actually right before Diamonds Are Forever, though, so he might have been at least talked about, but I couldn't get any clarification on that. But um, I know he did work with Dayton on some stuff, so. Also around this time, a court ruled that McClory owned the exclusive rights to Spectre and Blofeld. And so Eon had to remove those from The Spy Who Loved Me, which we talked about that. We talked about The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The script for Warhead, it was about an aircraft being shot down near the Bermuda Triangle. And then there was going to be an invasion of New York City through the sewers under Wall Street. Then United Artists claimed that they were going way beyond the copyright. Like they were trying to create their own original James Bond story. So then they kind of had to go back and look more at the Thunderball novel and just see what they could, you know, pull from that. So... This comes mm-hmm. back up near the end of the 70s. They're working on it again. This time it's under the title James Bond of the Secret Service. Uh, this is when Jack Schwartzman yeah. comes on too. He's not involved until about 1980. He decides not to use the Lynn Dayton script. He decides he doesn't like that. And uh, so now we're pretty much just back to remaking Thunderball so they don't, so they don't have to hopefully not avoid any legal issues. However, Eon is fighting them up to the time, up to the movie being released, Eon is fighting this. They don't want it to come out. Um, they don't obviously win, but they're but they're giving them shit, I guess, the whole time. Lorenzo Simple mm-hmm. Jr., this is when he's brought on to write the script, and uh, the script was progressing. At one point, though, Connery was having some... Connery is back involved. He's having some issues with the way... The Simple script. So he tries to get Tom Mankiewicz to come, to come work on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Mankiewicz says, I'm not getting involved in this because he just didn't want to be in between the broccoli mm. and, you know, and uh, and McClory and all this right. shit that's going on. So he decided not to do it. Um, Finally, Simple Jr. just leaves. I didn't I didn't see that he was fired or anything, but he's not working on the script anymore. Like his time was up or whatever. He was done. Um, and then so Connery does get mm-hmm. a couple writers to come in. Uh, they at the time, they were mostly known for British television. Uh, their names are Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet is what I'm going to go with. They do continue to write together after this too. They end up they write the the 1988 comedy when those like father dad switcheroo movies were a big thing. They wrote Vice Versa. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Seventeen <laughs> they again. Were, the Vice Versa like is the one with yeah. um, it's uh, Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold, I believe. It's yeah. Which, like Father, yeah, like yeah, Son, yeah. was another one. 18, again, I think, was another one. That was like George Burns and like Charlie Schlater. Yeah. Yeah, I said 17. 17, again, it might yeah, be the they, remake that, was Zac that they did with But it was Zac very Efron. similar. It was a people get switched and... Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, Freaky yeah, yeah. Fridays, also. If Now, in the... I think it... I th- yeah, Freaky Friday. I, I remember also... I think it was in the trivia of Never Say Never. Uh, Sean Connery said that he was... It says in the trivia. Now, I I take a lot of the uh, stuff in the trivia with a grain of salt. So, uh, you know, this isn't this may not may or may not be true. But 
the reason why Lorenzo Simple may have been not on this no. anymore was Connery did not approve of what he wrote. Um, and so it, I don't think it was anything yeah. other than yeah, that. Yeah, it seemed like, really, see, well, that's the thing. Like, this, like the book I've been reading, they didn't cover this movie. So this has been, I just did a lot of online research. I was just looking at articles and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I could get some stuff wrong. Yeah. But what I, yeah, I got that impression too. Connery did not like Simple's script very much. And see, what, and what ends up happening is, so the the eventual script they end up using, major, the everybody said what I read is that the majority of it came from Clement and uh, Lafreniere. It came from those two. The stuff they added, but mm-hmm. because of stipulations within the WGA, the Writers Guild, uh, Simple gets the credit and they don't. But I don't. But I get the impression mm-hmm. not yeah. a lot of Simple script is even. Not a lot of stuff Simple wrote is in the script. Uh, so it's kind of a. It's kind of a weird thing, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, they wouldn't be credited even though a lot of the final script was additions that they made. Um, around this time also, uh, they end up bringing in uh, Irvin Kirshner. Um, Connery wanted Richard Donner. Uh, mm-hmm. Richard Donner, for whatever reason, didn't want to do it. Uh, I didn't see any specifics. He just didn't care for the script or something. Uh, so they bring in Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner, of course, mm-hmm. directed Empire Strikes Back. So... That's what he was mostly known for at this time. He had also yep. directed Connery in a movie called A Fine Madness. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is his follow-up to Empire Strikes Back. And it's his second-to-last movie he has a directing credit on. He doesn't have another directing credit for seven years, and it's on RoboCop 2. Yeah, he's always coming in. It seems like he's always coming into these kind of movies. Like he's yeah. the, the second movie. of the. He's like the, like what Rennie Harlan was doing there for a while. Yeah, so they bring Kirshner in, uh, which is, you know, not bad. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they eventually changed the title to Never Say Never Again. Uh, this was uh, I'm Micheline was Sean Connery. Micheline Connery was Sean Connery's wife. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her first name, but that's what I'm going with. And they actually acknowledge her in the end credits that she came up with the title. Uh, they say Micheline Connery is Never Say Never Again or something like that. And yeah, it's yeah, based yeah. on the fact that after Diamonds Are Forever or during Diamonds Are Forever, Connery said he would never. Uh, play James Bond again, which he actually says again after this movie. So yeah, <laughs> a little cheeky thing at the end. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, when this was first being toyed about in 1964, we might have talked about this. Richard Burton was going to play Bond in in the movie that McClory was going to make, uh, and then in the 1970s, under the Warhead title, there were people like Orson Welles was going to play Blofeld, maybe. Richard Attenborough was possibly going to be the director. By 1978, though, we've got Connery back in the mix. Uh, they were hoping to go up against Moonraker. I, I kind of think that was probably a, a... It probably worked out better for them that they didn't, because Moonraker was a big hit, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like they would have gotten maybe more overshadowed than they did with something like Octopussy. Uh, yeah, you know, in, at the end of the seventies and plus coming off spy who loved me and all that stuff. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. it would have been better. Uh, some reports said by 1980, Connery was getting less and less interested. This could have just been a money ploy though. I don't know. It was, he was saying that he thought he was too old, which is funny because he's three years younger than Roger Moore, yeah. uh, who is about to do another Bond film. And then we'll do two more after that. Uh, mm-hmm. around, you know, in 1980. So, uh, but then Schwartzman offered Connery $3 million and all of a sudden he was like, yeah, I'll do it. 
<laughs> yeah, and I believe, from what I have read, 15% of the gross of Yeah, it was the something like that. Well. Yeah, no, you're right. Which, I, I did some figuring, and I'm like, yep, Sean Connery was pretty much set for life after this movie. Well, probably. and also, it's interesting, this early 80, early to mid-80s, Connery's not in like a, and I think we even maybe talked about this in the past, but he he's kind of, like, he's not really the movie star he once was. Like, he's not really being, I mean, he's having to do stuff like Highlander. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's not a movie he would have done like 20 years prior. Probably uh, not, yeah. But then 87, of course, he does the, he gets to do The Untouchables and he wins an Oscar and then uh, then he does Indiana Jones and Last Crusade and then he's 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 whatever he wants to do for the next like 15 years or whatever until he retires. Yeah. But at this point, he's, you know, him getting offered 3 million and 15% or whatever it was of the gross, I mean, he had probably never made that before and he definitely wasn't getting offers like that in 1980. You know, 1980, mm-hmm. 1981. So I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the fact that he decided to do it. Um, supposedly because of him saying that he thought he was too old for the role. There are some little, like, uh, like jabs at that in the movie. There's a comment about the car at one point. They don't make them like mm. that anymore. Yeah. Uh, also, the whole thing about M not wanting to continue the double O program because he felt like they were getting too old and it just wasn't, it was like a dated program and it wasn't something that would work anymore. Uh, and it originally when and this might have been something Connery hated in the Lorenzo Simple Jr. script, but supposedly Bond was, reti- was semi-retired and he was working on a fishing boat, but they were like hunting Soviet Navy submarines <laughs> okay. in the North Sea. <laughs> Um, also, which I'll, I have another thing about this later, but I thought it was interesting. Steven Seagal trained, uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah, fight. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, I knew Seagal was like a, I mean, he was a, tra- I knew he did that. Like he trained people like for however many years he was like a stunt coordinator or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. until he got, cause he was like, he was well in his thirties. I think when he finally did above the law, like he wasn't that young. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not that that's yeah. old, but I'm saying for a person's first film, that's yeah, not, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Alan Rickman and Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, although Seagal hadn't been doing like theater and stuff, like Alan Rickman probably had been no. doing for 20 years. <laughs> no, he was not. Uh, so, some of the rest of the cast, uh, Klaus, okay, I'm going to fuck this name. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Uh, um, I would say that it's probably Klaus Maria Brandauer. And I like I, I I tried to look it up, and I I couldn't find like a specific interview with him where they said his name, but uh, it, I think it has to be Brandauer. So Klaus Maria Brandauer, mm. he plays Maximilian Largo. Uh, this was a character in Thunderball that was played by uh, Adolfo Seeley, uh, who mm-hmm. we talked about obviously on the on the Thunderball um, thing on the Thunderball episode. Uh, so, uh, I, this is a younger Largo though, I think, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but mm-hmm. it, that, that was just the way I, I mean, he seemed younger. Uh, he was an actor that mm-hmm. Connery knew, uh, Con- or I don't know if he knew him, but he had seen him in Mephisto, which was a Oscar, yeah. uh, foreign language Oscar winner. Which that's a thing too, that, uh, apparently he had, Connery had, uh, had, mm-hmm. uh, more power this time to do casting. So like, so like he approved of uh of all these major characters yeah. major actors playing major uh roles in this so he approved exactly of and he yeah. like i said he was a, it was a 1981 film it was the hungarian film and it uh it, it won an academy award it was called mephisto uh then we have max von mm-hmm. sedow plays um 
uh, Blofeld. Uh, he's not in it very much, which is kind of unfortunate because it's really cool to see Max von Sydow in a Bond movie. Max von Sydow, of course, legendary mm-hmm. actor, uh, The Exorcist, uh, Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, uh, Minority Report, uh, yep. Flash Gordon, which we mentioned earlier about Simple Junior, and and of course Needful Things. I mean, who can forget? you know, needful things. Yes, needful things. Hey, sometimes (laughs) these things happen. The weirdest thing about that movie is him seducing Mm -hmm. uh, Bonnie Bedelia. That is a really weird scene. (laughs) Yes. I can't imagine either of them were super comfortable about it. It was just, it was really bizarre. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so he's in here. Like I said, Blofeld's in here. He's, I think maybe only in one scene. I mean, it's a decent sized scene, but I'm pretty sure it's just like one scene. It's, which I guess it's kind of similar to Thunderball where they have like that. It's a meeting. It's like all the, all the specter heads Mm -hmm. are meeting and discussing uh, the, the plan to use the duplicate, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, person. All in this case, it's not a duplicate though. It's a, they replace his eye with the, with I guess the same eye as the president. The what now? Like so the 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 actor that's playing Kim Basinger's character's brother, the one that they like, uh, you know, they get him addicted to heroin and they bring him in to steal the warhead, and they replace his eye with a lens that like matches the president's. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They yeah. don't really explain this, but mm-hmm. but they do that. But in Thunderball, they just make it. They like they make a they do plastic surgery and they have like a duplicate person, you know, that's like you know, able to get in there and get all this information. Uh, here, they just do it a little differently. But that's the Max von Sydow scene. They're just going over what they're going to do for the plan. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Carrera, uh, she is the uh, she's the femme fatale. Uh, Fatima Blush, uh, which that actually is a name they use in an early script for Thunderball. This is the same character, though, basically just a different name. But Fiona was the character. Uh, in Thunderball, played by uh, Luciana Paluzzi, who we gave, a, I think we we talked pretty well about her. I mean, she's she's a, she's kind of a standout uh, mm-hmm. in Thunderball. Um, we'll talk about Barbara Carrera more in the review, but um, she's good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, she was a former model and Playboy cover girl, uh, which seems kind of par for the course in casting Bond Bond movies. They, but they uh, but they they got really, I guess they got lucky here. Uh, she she has acted in other stuff though. This wasn't like her first movie or anything like that. Uh, she claimed I loved this. She modeled her performance on the Hindu goddess Kali, and she found the character to be a cross between a black widow and a praying mantis. And if you watch her performance, I think that's fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. She was nominated for best supporting actress at the Golden Globes. Uh, she lost to Cher. Yeah. Cher, <laughs> yep. yep. I believe, and I believe. She, I don't know if she, did Cher win the Oscar that year. It was for Silkwood. I think Cher won the Oscar that year for Silkwood. Well, no, she won for Moonstruck, I believe, oh. but I don't think she won for that. You're probably right. She was nominated for an Oscar for Silkwood, though. Mm-hmm. But she won the Golden Globe. I'm just curious. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, she was nominated. It does not. It does not say she won. So yeah, you're correct. I guess it was just Moon. Yeah, because she doesn't have two Oscars. I don't no. think. So, yes, you are correct. Uh, but she was nominated, and Silkwood's a very good movie, if you haven't seen mm-hmm. it. So, anyway, so that's Barbara Carrera. We'll talk more about her, definitely, in the review. Uh, Kim Basinger. Uh, this was actually someone that uh, Connery's wife uh, had met, and she really liked her uh, and suggested her for the role of Domino, uh, which originally had been offered to this Italian actress named Dahlia uh, Di Lozaro. She's in, uh, the only thing I'd seen her in was she's in Argento, Dario Argento's Phenomena. 
mm-hmm. uh, with Jennifer Connelly. But she actually turned the role down. So then uh, they uh, Connery said he approved of Kim Basinger, so they hired her. Uh, Basinger, I mean, we know her now a lot because of uh, stuff after this. She wasn't like a huge star yet, but she was right, right on the cusp. Uh, Nine and a Half mm-hmm. Weeks comes out like three years after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then of course she's she's like she's I would say kind of a headlining star for at least ten years or so because she does yeah, like I'm Batman. I'm trying to think of what would be her. I mean, Nine and a Half Weeks probably is her breakout if you want to call it yeah. that. That movie's terrible, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, I think that Batman? got her on the map. Batman might be like Batman her would highest. be up there. The, I mean, and she was in the Natural the year after this, yeah. but like I don't know if that made her a household name. Uh, the Natural, and then yeah. um. Yeah, I would say Nine and a Half Weeks probably is the one that really put yeah. her like as a known uh, actor at that point. And then, and then she kind of became known for being Alec Baldwin's wife for a while. And, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. They did but, the uh, marrying does, man together. Yeah, and I think, and I her, later on, uh, you know, she's lucky to get, you know, she gets, she's lucky enough to get in uh, like L.A. Confidential where she wins an Oscar, mm-hmm. and like I, that's yep. my, that's definitely my period where I really enjoy watching her more. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. she's le- she's not, she's not quite a movie star anymore, I guess, at least not a like, you know, like a starring, like a like a somebody getting all the leading roles, but she's getting these really nice, juicy uh, roles and stuff like L.A. Confidential, like Eight Mile. Uh, she did this uh, door in the floor, which is kind of an underrated film with her yep. and Jeff Bridges. So yeah, but uh, no, she's she's definitely had a lot of success, and now she's I guess she's um, uh, Justin Bieber's mother-in-law. Is that right? <laughs> I, I think that's right. I think, I think that's, that's right. correct. <laughs> I think that's correct. Uh, or maybe no, no, no. That's not right. That's a bald one. I'm that's a that's a, that's Stephen Baldwin's daughter. That's Stephen Baldwin. I, yeah. yeah. So I was like wrong. aunt-in-law. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Anton Law. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim Basinger. Oh, my God. Rowan Atkinson is in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I did not remember that. I had not seen this mm-hmm. movie in forever, so I really didn't remember Rowan Atkinson. Um, I don't I don't even know what he was really known for at this time, but he was he was known well enough to... I mean, I don't know when like Mr. Bean and stuff started. I know he was on a lot of British television and, was and it, stuff like Was he that. on Black Adder? Was that what he was on? Yes. Uh, so that, I just don't know the years of that. And then, of course, uh, maybe Are You Being Served? Maybe something like that. I think it was Black Adder, though. I know he's I know in Black Adder. A, apparently, this is his first movie that he's in. Uh, he's not in Black Adder yet at this point. But it looks like Mr. Well, no, not Mr. Bean way by imdb is but he was days. uh that character was not in the script originally uh that that character got added way later because schwartzman decided that they needed comic relief yeah he he uh he, he had not been in anything uh at this uh he had not been in any movies at this point he had been on tv shows mm-hmm. uh apparently one called not the nine o'clock news oh yeah was one um and he was in a couple of tv movies and then he does black adder after this gotcha. uh, few years later so i could be anyway. wrong i believe hbo had a show in the late 80s called not necessarily the news i believe that was kind of a takeoff on the the british the not the nine o'clock mm, news. Mm. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that's right because i know i've heard of that okay. before uh okay. Atkinson, very talented man can be very funny eventually interestingly enough uh does james bond does a series of james bond parody movies the johnny english movies which i think yep. i've only seen the first one but I yeah, I think re- I've seen the first one, and that's it. Yeah, I remember it being okay. Like I don't remember like loving it or anything, but I don't I don't remember disliking mm-hmm. it. Uh, but yeah. I know he's in that. But uh, so yeah, he's a funny guy. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't. You know, we'll talk about whether or not he's funny in this, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. his character's name is um, Small Faucet. <laughs> what? Yep. 
which apparently is a, another small penis <laughs> joke. I don't know what faucet. I don't. I didn't know faucet meant that in British. I don't know, but apparently that's what it means. It's a small penis joke. So I don't there know, you go. He's like a like he's like he's like a he's an agent that like they pair up with Bond, but he's like never really been in the field, and so it's just like he's not in it that much. But when he's in it, he's mostly just like. He's acting like Rowan Atkinson. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. It's just right. It's like they yep. just set him in there and just said, "I don't know, just do stuff." Yeah, just riff. <laughs> um, Edward Fox uh, plays M. Uh, Edward Fox is a is a is a pretty well known actor. I think he's probably most known for. Uh, I, he's the guy in Day of the Jackal, he, the the Frederick Forsyth adaptation, uh, and uh, he's also he had a pretty. Mm-hmm. He was in Gandhi. Uh, I liked him though. Uh, there was this movie I grew up with from 1980 called The Mirror Cracked. It was an Agatha Christie adaptation, and he mm-hmm. plays uh, Inspector mm-hmm. Craddock, who's the main inspector in the novel. However, Miss Marple ends up being in the movie. Angela Lansbury plays Miss Marple. Miss Marple is not in the book, but they put her in the movie and they make Inspector mm-hmm. Craddock like I think her nephew. But uh, but he's really good in that movie, and he's playing off like these heavyweights, like he's playing off like Elizabeth Taylor and. You know, people like that and like uh, Rock Hudson, and he's just absolutely stealing like every scene from them. So I just, I always liked him in that movie, but he's good. He was also, oddly enough, he was in Johnny English Reborn, which I think was the third Johnny English movie uh, with Rowan Atkinson. Edward Fox is still alive, but that's his last, uh, that's his last credit as of now. Bernie Casey, mm-hmm. who I fucking love, uh, is not in this movie enough. Yeah, he's great. Bernie Casey, I probably knew growing up mostly. He's in Revenge of the Nerds. He's in Spies Like Us. I'm going to get you, sucker. He's a, a Jack Slade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I've gone back and mm-hmm. watched. Like He's in this great movie from the 70s called Hitman. He's in this really cool uh, Burt Reynolds film called Sharky's Machine. He's, he's, a, he's a really cool actor. Uh, he plays Felix. Uh, Pamela mm-hmm. Salem. Uh, plays so we do we do have because they are able to use stuff from Thunderball we do have Felix we have Miss Money Penny that she's played by Pamela Salem uh, who has been in a decent amount of movies but I didn't really know her for much apparently she's in Gods and Monsters which is a movie I really like uh, but I haven't seen it I haven't seen it in a long time mm-hmm. and she plays Sarah Whale so I'm assuming she plays like James Whale's sister or something could be wife because well, that's true. I know that. I- because I know that even though he's gay, he may have you had might be right. a... You might be yeah. right. Because I think Brendan Fraser plays their, like, like a pool boy or something. So, yeah, you might be right about that. She might have played as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So she plays Money Penny. We already said that um, uh, Edward Fox plays Elm. And then there is, like, a Q character. He also goes by the name Algy, apparently. Algy, something like that. Uh, he's mm-hmm. played by Alec uh, McCohen. So that's kind of our main cast. And then... As far as the filming, uh, the filming took place on the French Riviera and Nassau for parts of it. The filming in Nassau actually took place at Clifton Pier, which is a, a place they used for Thunderball uh, as well. And the underwater scenes, they were done by Rico Browning again, and he was involved with the underwater scenes in Thunderball. So mm-hmm. uh, They also filmed at UK. Of course, they couldn't be at Pinewood, but they were at uh, Elstree Studios. Uh, they constructed the auto- underwater cavern there. Which apparently took about three months to build. So that was a uh, and and it's like it, I mean it's a nice set, but I don't know when I read that it made me kind of sad. Like they spent that mm. much time on something that was not done by Ken Adams. Yeah, 
I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. it. It's a it's a perfectly pleasant looking set. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's not like I was uh, this also. There's not like a lot of there's just not a lot of stunt work and stuff in this one either. Like so, there wasn't mm-hmm. like a lot of that stuff which we've been digging into a lot, of course, with all the previous movies. But the action scenes are pretty like they're just it's a lot of just fighting. I would say there's not a lot of there's some car chasing and stuff, but it's I don't know. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, the production was pretty uh, volatile. A lot of people didn't get along. Uh, Kirshner and Schwartzman butted heads all the time. Uh, Kirshner said that he thought Schwartzman was a good businessman, but he had no fucking clue how to produce a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connery didn't like Schwartzman either, uh, to the point where he wouldn't even talk to him. And he Schwartzman wasn't supposed to be like in the same area that Connery was in whenever they were filming <laughs> and stuff. Uh, Connery called the entire production a bloody Mickey Mouse operation. Um, there's this story that Steven Seagal supposedly broke Connery's wrist while they were training, but Connery didn't actually know his wrist was broken for about 10 years. I don't even know how that's possible, but I don't know how that's possible either. (laughs) But he said that like on a tonight show interview or something that he's like, yeah, I didn't know my, I didn't, I didn't know my wrist was broken for a decade. Uh, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else about like the action scenes or the, filming or anything was there anything i didn't find I a whole lot so. on there's that. no there's no behind the scenes no. for yeah. this so um i don't have anything really else to add on it so um everyone wanted they all wanted james horner to do the store score except for sean connery <laughs> he didn't want <laughs> which is weird i don't know why you hate james the, horner the only thing i could find was schwartzman at one in an interview said connery didn't want horner because he didn't want an american to do the to do the oh to do the okay score. so I don't know. Uh, so Michael Legrand, uh, or I'm sorry, Michelle, Michelle, something. It's M-I-C-H-E-L. Yeah, it's Michelle. Michelle. It's probably Michelle. Michelle Legrand. He does the music. Uh, he's done some other big scores. He did the original Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, he does the score. Oh, and the for, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah. He did uh, another movie that came out in 1983, Yentl, which I actually watched like a couple years yep. ago. It was on Criterion Channel. That's, that's a much mm-hmm. better movie than I ever would have thought it was. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a Barbara Streisand uh, uh, movie, for those that don't know. Yep. Um, he also wrote the main theme, uh, Never Say Never Again, which is performed by Lanny Hall. Uh, Bonnie Tyler was offered it, but she thought the song was terrible. So she's like, Yep, and so do I. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I was actually, and I forgot about it. I ended up not having time. I was going to listen to it again because I cannot even tell you how that song goes. I just heard it. I heard it two days ago. All I know is, is that at the beginning of this movie, when that music is playing, I was like, oh my God, that, I didn't remember this movie being that bad because it really does feel like a, like a, 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 a like an old forgotten 1980s, like cheap, yeah, made on the cheap movie when that song is playing. So anyway, and Lenny, I mean Lenny Hall, she's got a great voice. I mean, it's it's not her fault. I mean, she didn't write the song. No. Uh, but I just the only thing I can remember is like it's just it's just if I feel like ninety percent of the song is just them saying never say never. Like that's mm. like like there's very yep. few lyrics. It's just never say never. Uh, mm-hmm. They couldn't do a lot of the usual things on this movie due to legal reasons. So you don't get the gun barrel sequence. Uh, you don't even get a pre-title sequence. I don't think that was specific to Bond, but they just decided not to do a pre-title sequence for whatever reason. Mm. Uh, but instead of the gun barrel, we get a full screen of like 007 symbols, which I mean, yeah. whatever, it's fine. Uh, so they also don't have the Bond theme. They don't have the, you know, the traditional James Bond theme. 
and and I kind of like this. They don't really try to replace it. Like they don't really have anything that's like you know that's remotely similar to it. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that was probably the right move because I think at that point you're just it just looks like you're copying and uh, it makes you look like a cheaper version of of the other. Which honestly, this probably this might have even had a bigger budget than Octopussy, but it was right around the same at at least reviews at the time though pretty positive. Uh, a little more positive than Octopussy. Uh, everyone seemed to be happy Connery was back. I think that was probably a lot of it. People were just like, oh, this is so cool. You know, Connery's back. Mm. Uh, kind of like how some of these like legacy... Se- this was like the original legacy sequel. God, I never thought about that until right mm. now. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Yep. The only difference is it's not yep. the original... Pro- it's not the same production company, but this is totally a legacy sequel. Uh, that everyone was happy he was back. Claus uh, Maria Brandauer, his performance got all kinds of accolades. Uh, people loved him. Um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and we might, we might differ on our opinion of his, but, uh, he was praised. Uh, a lot of people compared it favorably, uh, to Octopussy. A lot of people seemed to like it a little more. Uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie. Um, he thought there was more of a human element in the movie and he's referring to Largo specifically. Uh, Siskel also loved it and mm-hmm. said it was one of the best Bond films ever made. So it got a two thumbs up on Siskel and Ebert that week, I guess. I couldn't find the... I was actually trying to look for the review of it and I couldn't find it. Um, which is weird because I swear to God, like every review of theirs is somewhere. But uh, I was mm-hmm. my searching was not working out for me. But anyways, they liked it. Uh, they gave it two thumbs up. Uh, I do remember Ebert really liking this movie because like in the early 90s, when I really started trying to like watch stuff like outside of my comfort zone, I was going by those Ebert video companions. And I do recall like he it was like a three and a half star review or something. I was like, oh, I'll have to check that out someday. And then I don't think I watched it for like 15 years. I, I but I know I've seen it at least once because I own the well, owning the DVD doesn't really mean anything, but it's it's open, so I'm assuming I've watched it. But I when I watched it a couple days ago, yeah. I didn't remember anything. So except for that game, I remember mm-hmm. that video game thing for some reason. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's a memorable thing for maybe the wrong reasons. This was supposed to start a series of films, which is not surprising. Uh, they were already working on the next film. It was going to be called Simply Spectre which is kind of funny because we actually do get a Spectre mm-hmm. movie at some point. Uh, but Connery said he would not yep. come back. So they just that just kind of fell by the wayside. They just decided. And then in the 1990s, which I thought this was funny, uh, McClory was just going to do it again. He was going to remake Thunderball again, but he was going to do Timothy Dalton because Timothy <laughs> Dalton had just been let go. Uh, you know, they were working on the Brosnan yeah. film or whatever. So... Uh, he was trying to get Timothy Dalton to do it. And that I didn't see why that fell apart, but it didn't happen. Uh, and then, like I said, in 1997, well, 1997, the first thing that happened was Sony actually bought the rights to that McClory had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, MGM went after Sony and somehow won. So uh, MGM was able to kind of retain the rights. And then MGM, after that, they outright bought the rights to Never Say Never Again in 1997 and then i assume amazon has them now i don't know because mgm's gone through so many different things over the last like mm-hmm. how, how long ago was that was that 25 years ago so yeah there's no telling but uh that's i didn't really have much else on the on the making i mean that was a lot but i'm just saying is there anything else you any tidbits you picked up or anything that you wanted to talk about uh no i actually don't think so i think all the things that you picked you you uh talked about in the behind the scenes of stuff that i wrote yeah. in the trivia 
Um, so, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm at a, a you know, disadvantage on this one because I don't yeah. have a, a behind the scenes to look at. So, and you, and this is not mm -hmm. in that book that you're yeah, reading. It was just, either, I, just so. I did a lot of Googling and uh, just, I found interviews and stuff like that. I mean, I was able to, see, I didn't get anything like really behind the scenes, but I was able to find stuff where Connery talked about it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. And also I should say too, uh, we're not going to, we, if you have listened to this show before, before we usually have a third segment called the spy who reads me i'm not going to be doing that this week uh i a i didn't have time to read thunderball again but b when i went back and looked at everything there's just not enough that changed uh the movies we will probably talk a little about that in the review i mean the movies have some similar stuff that maybe they just kind of update them and never say never again but as mm -hmm. far as like taking stuff from the book, but we are going to talk about what we thought about it, which I'm pretty excited to talk about this movie because it's kind of fascinating. Uh, this segment is called A Review to a Kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. So we are going to give our thoughts on whatever film we are discussing this week. And this week we are discussing the second Bond film that was released in 1983. That movie is called Never Say Never Again. Real quick plot synopsis before I let Chris talk about how much he loves this movie. Uh, Spectre agents under the command of Ernst Blofeld infiltrate a U.S. Air Force base situated in the U.K. and steal two Tomahawk cruise missiles. When NATO is held ransom, the British reactivate their 00 agents and send James Bond to recapture the warheads and kill... It says and kill Blofeld. That's not actually true. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, what did you think of Never Say Never Again? <laughs> Um, it, I think it was, I think it was better than I remember mm. seeing before. Yeah. Cause you did um, watch this when you watched all of uh, them, right? You did include this one. Okay. I did. I popped it. I put, I put this one in there as well. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, it's a little bit better. Um, when you're watching them all at once, the whole, mm -hmm. uh, the whole similarity to this whole similarity to Thunderball is kind of hard it, it's similarity it is thunderball it's hard to get around because you've you've just recently seen thunderball so when you watch it and we and this is what this is probably two or three months yeah, after we maybe, did thunderball maybe, yeah. uh, like uh, in 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 real time um uh so yeah um uh, it just it the, all the similarities and all the same things that happen in this movie are hard to get around. Like he's like, I just saw this movie. I just saw this, um, uh, and yeah, there's some you know there's some differences, but it's like, why are they different? Like just weird. Like he still goes to yeah. the spa at yeah. the beginning of this. Uh, he uh, he still like seduces the the woman this time in a much better fashion than in the Thunderball. Yes. Uh, only this time he's retired. He's not going there just to get a break or anything like that. And the you know, and then Jack Patachi, who's played by uh, Gavin O'Herlihy, who's uh, who's like a guy who's in a million things. He plays Brad in Superman yeah, Three. You know, like <laughs> I remember when he first came on the screen, I was like, it's "Where Brad. have I seen this guy before?" <laughs> oh yeah, he's he was. Brad. Uh, was that that was um, what's her name's uh, boyfriend? Or well, thought he was her boyfriend. It was like, yeah, it was yeah, and Ed O'Toole's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So 
anyway, the um, so yeah, the the that's different because they use a the, in the in Thunderball, it's a twin or it's oh no, it's not a twin, it's a the plastic surgery thing, and so. So, so there, there's, there's little differences there, and like you know, the in Thunderball, they, I think the was it, the war, the warheads are on a ship. Mm-hmm. I think in that yes. one, right? They're on a ship, and they, 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 they swallow yep. the ship up, and in this one, it's like let's shoot the missiles and then just have them go into the water. Yeah, you know, because we're directing they, it because they the dude the has the eyeball to the thing giant and machine whatever. swallowing the the smaller machine. <laughs> right right that was all ken adam um so uh so yeah so all those uh all those yeah. uh, same things that happen are just kind of just hard to get around the uh the video <laughs> game sequence i know why they're doing that yeah. okay it's the early 80s it's the video game it's the video game boom uh, what's weird is they go into an arcade, like a well, posh a, he was, arcade. It was a, ch- it was a charity like, thing. It was like, like his it, charity ball, I think. So, yeah, yeah but it's so weird oh, seeing people in, like... it's the craziest juxtaposition ever. Like, like, it's just people in suits and evening gowns playing video games. <laughs> but all the... Sh- all the games are centipede yeah. <laughs> and gravitar it seems like and i think there's another one in there there's another one that they throw in it but all of them are like it's, it seems like every single game in there is centipede <laughs> um and then they then they go like oh well, we play a game with some real high stakes like apparently this is a like a game that can kill you if you if <laughs> it's a game that can kill you if you hold on to the 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 steering wheel too long and I didn't ever understand the objective. Like they tell you, you know, shoot a missile. I can block the missile. But like they're sitting there shooting like little squares and uh, shapes and stuff. Like they're going to attack the United States or whatever. And it's this this tunnel-looking thing with all these different shapes. And you can see a red and a blue and a red and a blue. And then every once in a while, somebody shoots a missile, and you can block the missile. And nothing mm-hmm. about it seems very hard. But Sean Connery gets killed a couple of times, and then we're supposed to believe that I guess he was just like I don't know uh, hustling him the whole time because because by the by the end of it he does kill he does uh, he does uh, almost kill uh, Maximilian Largo uh, in, at the end, and there's an interesting exchange afterwards where he's like uh, where they said something like. Um, what is it i've never lost is what he bond says he's he's like i've never lost and and uh largo's <laughs> like well this is a game that has been played and i have lost here you go mr bond that's exactly you know, what he says um, by the way um i i kind of like i kind of i kind of like klaus klaus maria brandauer as well on this uh it kind of reminds me of that performance um in uh in moonraker the, who's the guy that's pl- in uh, moonraker um oh hugo hugo drax who's played by michael lonsdale yeah so it reminds me of that performance quite a bit because it's not like an angry you know he's very cool about everything but um honestly for me it's barbara carrera who is the steals this whole movie for me She's so good, and she's so like this is one of those things where like, how do you not realize who you have when you're making this movie? You can't kill her that early in the movie. I mean, it's like midway through, but still, there's a great shot of her like when when he tells her to go after um when he she goes to kill some people, 
uh, and uh, Kirshner sets his camera in this weird, like I guess it's a Dutch mm-hmm. angle almost, looking up at the stair staircase, and she just kind of like kind of yeah. dances yeah. her way down the stairs, and I love that shot in that. That's one of the most, it's one of the most memorable shots I've seen in a mm-hmm. Bond movie because uh, it's so like stylish and everything. So I really enjoyed her in this, um, uh, you know, and I, and I read some stuff in the trivia that said the, like like. You know, she'd always wanted to act with Sean Connery and that, you know, when it came time to do the sex scene, she was like, I'm going to I'm going to get naked. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all this stuff. Um, I want to have a I don't want to have a body double in this. I want to be there for the, the, the love a, scene with Sean this Connery. This one's a lot more like I would say I don't I mean, they all have like sex in them and stuff. But this one feels a little more sexual like she's she's yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can see thrusting and, and stuff like Luciana Paluzzi is really good playing basically the same character in the in Thunderball, mm-hmm. but that was a movie in the '60s where they I, they they couldn't amp it up the way they can in 1983. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you gave yeah. Paluzzi these things to do, maybe she's just as good. But I think the way they're able to just make that character just she's just I I don't I don't know she's amazing. I don't even know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I yeah, and I like I like Bernie Casey as well. Yeah. Um, uh, this is this is probably your best Felix Leiter again until Jeffrey Wright shows up. Um, uh, so so I really like that. Um, and 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 Connery, you know, he seems like he's right back into this role. He's bagging into the latter day uh, Connery um, mm-hmm. bonds that he was in. At, you know, like Diamonds Are Forever and all that. I think he's having some fun doing this again. Like uh, even though it's been only it's been twelve years. Um. Uh. So overall, it's not bad. I don't think it's a bad one. Uh. It's just hard to get around all the stuff that's the same. And and there's some there's some some weird that video game thing is just such a weird scene. It lasts for it does. ever. It's, yeah. Too. And I ne- I never once know what's going on. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like, never I, know. I, well, I don't. I know what's going on, but like I don't know. Like, how does Connery all of a sudden have the upper hand? It does. There's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It just doesn't make any sense. So it's not suspenseful. I mean, I know they're not going to kill either mm-hmm. of them right then anyways, but I mean, it's not even, there's no suspense because I don't even understand why this person's winning as opposed to mm-hmm. that person. I also don't understand the magnitude of those electric shocks or whatever they are because yeah, yeah. I mean, I, none I of that, none of that was explained. <laughs> I don't know what that was. The, the, I will say there, there is a fun, uh, there is a fun moment in this scene where he go, where the the guy like make it, you know, the sort of the, I don't know, the guy who's making sure that people on the list, I guess he's a bouncer. You wouldn't call him a bouncer though. The guy like um, is who's trying to figure out who the guests yeah. are and everything. And Connery comes yeah. up and and ends up shoving him into that closet and then gives him this little little case and he says there's a gyroscope in this case if you move even the slightest bit it's going to blow you up and so like that scene that scene with the arcade goes on forever but the, there's a great punchline by the end of it where he comes in he comes into the closet at the very end and takes that case away from oh, that dude and he's like, thank you very much or whatever so yeah i i like this less than you i think i i really don't like this movie i i do i will say this barbara carrera almost makes this movie work just by herself because and i and i have a hard time not recommending people see this movie just for her um mm-hmm. i really was hoping like i think it's 
I think it's The World Is Not Enough. I haven't seen that in forever, but I think that's the one where you kind of get the twist about who the head villain is. I kind of mm-hmm. was thinking, like, during this, like, I wish they had just ended up making her the main villain. Like, we, like maybe we don't yeah. realize that for a while, but then all of a sudden she's the main... Because when she gets killed... I really don't like the rest of the movie. <laughs> like the rest of the movie, it's yeah. just slow and it's like just there's nobody interesting to watch. Kim Basinger well, is terrible yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And I think it's the yeah, writing. She's not... I think it's more the writing yeah. than her because I know she can act, but she is bad in this mm-hmm. movie. Well, and and she's yeah, her char- yeah, it's her character. It's no, not no, her. it's definitely it's, not. Uh, it's it the the whole thing is like, <laughs> and apparently, uh, what I read in the trivia, she and Irvin Kershner didn't get along. So a lot of people not getting along in this movie. But I'm sitting there thinking about like all the different times where she's like, they, the the very fir- where we in- get introduced to her character is when uh, Largo is looking through that that one way mm-hmm. mirror thing or that two way mirror thing, and she's she's doing her exercise or like uh, ballet yeah. stuff, and like everything is about like let's show mm-hmm. her ass and let show her in this skimpy outfit and everything and and uh he's just in it and you know so that she's kind of just uh she's kind of just given this whole um damsel in distress thing although she does kind of help out at the end but um i i don't i guess and i don't know why she falls for bond like i nah. i mean none of that makes any sense um no, I'm all, almost never does it make sense to me. Like some of the some of the well, times, I'm just like, but yeah, in this one in particular, who's that? Yeah. There's that woman that's like got the boat. Oh yeah. Oh, it's Valerie Leon. Uh, she, I know her. She's mm-hmm. uh, she was in a lot of she was in some Hammer uh studio movies uh in like the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. But uh, she has a pretty thankless role in this. I mean, there's not much to her role, but um. But like even she's more interesting than, <laughs> than Domino, and like she's in like mm-hmm. two scenes. But it's also crazy, like because he meets her, like he accidentally runs into her or something, and he finds out she has a yeah. boat, and then he ends up needing her boat or something later. So they go out, and then they end up hooking back up when they get back to the hotel or whatever. And there is that kind of funny thing where because Fatima Blush, the Barbara Carrera character, she tries to kill Bond like on a few different occasions and just can't quite do it. And it's, I did actually like that better than I have liked it in past Bond movies. Like, it did feel like mm-hmm. she had the right idea. He just ended up either by accident or whatever. But in that case, it was kind of funny because she's going to blow up his hotel room. And he, and then you think the whole time yeah. he's in his hotel room having sex with Valerie Leone, and they're actually in hers. And, mm-hmm. you know, he makes that comment like, yeah. I'm glad we made that decision. She's like, what decision? I was like, to go to your room or whatever mm-hmm. he says. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I Barbara Carrera. I do want to keep talking. I do want to talk about her for a second. There is a scene in this movie, which I made a joke about when I introduced Chris at the beginning of this. I made a joke about him giving performance cards to his uh, his lovers, and uh, there's a scene in this movie where Sean Connery. If you haven't actually watched the movie and you're listening to this, Sean Connery's had. Uh, I'm sorry, Bond has had sex with Fatima, and she's finally got him where she can kill him. And she starts saying all this stuff. And then she makes the comment like, you're, you know, I'm the best you've ever had. And Connery says something like, well, there was this girl in Honduras. I don't know what he says, but he makes some comment. Mm-hmm. And then she like gets this, she gets mad. And then she wants him to write out mm-hmm. on a piece of paper before she kills him that she was the best lay. <laughs> and then she wants him to sign it. And I know why this scene exists. This scene exists because, like, the one gadget is that Connery's got, Bond's got this pen 
that like shoots a mm-hmm. a dart or something, which whatever it hits, it blows up. And uh, yeah, so I know this scene had to be written the way it was. I like so. I went to this uh, writing, a uh, screenwriting uh, convention at UCLA when I was in college, like '96, and uh, they had a bunch of different people speak to us. One of those people was Giancarlo Esposito, who uh, at the time I mostly knew from Usual Suspects. He's been in a ton of. He's on Breaking Bad, wasn't he? Wasn't mm-hmm. Breaking Bad like a? And yep. uh, he yep. made this comment, and he said he heard it from somebody else. So I'm sure this is a really old comment, but he made this comment. You know, if it's shit on the page, it's shit on the stage. And I thought about that when I was watching this scene because. Barbara Carrera might be one of the only actors that took a terribly written scene and made it like mm-hmm. not only a good scene, but maybe the best scene in the movie. <laughs> it's just, it's fucking incredible. Like mm-hmm. the way she plays that scene is insane. And uh, you totally believe mm-hmm. that she wants it. She has to, he has to write down that she was the best sex he's ever had before she'll kill him. And then of course that ends mm-hmm. up getting her killed. By the way, she has like an insanely brutal death too. Like, I don't know why they chose to make her. Cause I mean, she like, it just, ex- yeah. well, and she just gets set on fire. Uh, and yeah. it's like awful. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the, it's, they trying to find a way to, to insert that pen into the, into the movie. And that's what they decided to go with. And it's, yeah, it just, that's all it does. It seems like it's just forced in, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I kind of just wish she was on, she was in this movie the whole time. And, and And I think like, I don't like, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I mean, um, what's, what's the, the, uh, Klaus, Klaus Maria Brandauer. I, I, he's fine. Like, the, I mean, he's perfectly serviceable. Mm-hmm. He's no, yeah. he's somewhere in the middle. Like, he's nowhere near the worst villain we've ever seen. The actor playing a villain. He's not. He's not the best. He's somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle. But she's just so much more interesting. That like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. And maybe if we had more of her, maybe she wouldn't be as interesting. But I, I don't know. I would like to see that version <laughs> to to be yeah. able to to be able to make that decision because she's really the only thing in this I really like. Like, I just don't. I don't even think Connery's good. Um, I mm-hmm. this to me kind of feels like what I was saying. I thought was gonna we were gonna come to when we were talking about like diamonds are forever. Like he just looks really uninterested. Like he looks like he did this for the money, and I don't blame him if he did. Like I don't give a shit. Like you know, take your payday. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. then you find out nobody was getting along. Uh, so yeah. I mean, it's not that it's not that hard to imagine that he was, he, you know, he looks unhappy, you know, he just doesn't look that Mm -hmm. invested in anything. Um, so I don't even, so it's not that, I don't know, maybe it's the way he's written, but regardless, like he doesn't really work for me in this movie. Um, the plot is like you said, it's Thunderball, except they added video games. That's not, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not enough to change anything. Well, and just the whole, the whole way things are happening in this movie, are they all seem, uh, low rent mm-hmm. versions of yeah. what happened in thunderball the the you know it's so much more exciting in thunderball how they acquire the missiles um shooting those things <laughs> this one i mean this is so they're shooting they're using that dude's eyeball to to redirect the missiles and so that they can sh- they can direct them into the water yep. and then take them later it just it's not nearly as exciting as that uh, that other way that they did it in thunderball no. so like so everything seems watered down, uh, like just, you know, it seems like a, it seems exactly like what a remake does, a cheap remake. does. Oh, and they make him addicted to heroin, which adds absolutely nothing to the movie. But it just feels like, yeah. well, it's the 80s. Got to have got to have a yeah. guy addicted to heroin. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And like, 
Well, and I just, and also, like, neither one of us are that high on Thunderball. Like, I, Thunderball's better than this, but, like, Thunderball's mm-hmm. not one of my favorite Bond movies. And we, if you want to go back and listen to Thunderball episode, please do, because uh, we talk about that more in detail. So the storyline doesn't interest me really that much in the first place. I still hate yeah. that he accidental, like, accidentally himself into this case. Like, he just happens to be, and it's even weirder in this one, I feel like. I just wish they had changed it. Why not just have M send him to this place undercover? Like, I don't know why that, mm-hmm. I mean, something. Because the fact that he just happens to be at this health spa when this other guy, when Brad from Superman 3 is there, and, right. you know, shooting up heroin, and, you know, he just happens well, to and, look in and see that whole incident where well, she's explaining like, everything. So easily opening the door. Yeah. For no, what, how, how is this possible? Like, just I'll just open up the door and nobody will notice me here. And I can you can just tell your plot and everything. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I just don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't remember what that one was because there was that one where, like, I'm trying to think of what what movie that was there's another one where he kind of accidentally gets involved in a situation but anyways uh Mm -hmm. i I just i hate that about thunderball that's one of the things in thunderball that kind of irritates me and has me already from the get-go i'm not really into the story and then they keep it the same here but they make it even more ludicrous how he finds out i do appreciate Mm -hmm. though that the woman actually wants to have sex with him at the club i appreciated that yep that felt a lot less sleazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean you probably shouldn't be having sex with your therapist. I'm not, that's probably not the greatest idea in the world, but you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm not saying she wasn't like a psychologist or nothing. I mean, she was his masseuse no. or whatever, but, uh, right. but I, I don't know. The whole thing was weird. I don't even know why M sent them there because like he, he, he doesn't really like he's semi-retired. The double O program doesn't really exist. And M's just like, you know, you should go there and uh, get better. Oh yeah. And that, <laughs> That reminds Why? me too. The you know, like in Thunderball, it was uh, the they they turned that machine on uh, like super fast, so that he he had to like keep you yeah. know he had he was on that on that, in this one he's lifting weights and that dude oh, uh, Lippe Lippe or whatever played by Pat Roach, who you will definitely remember from Raiders of the Lost yes. Ark, uh, was the guy who gets uh, eaten up by the the yeah. uh, the plane the the propellers in the plane and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's also in Willow. He's the, guy. He's the discount Skeletor in Willow. If you've ever seen Willow, ah uh, <laughs> yes, discount Skeletor, yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, in this one, it's the he he's lifting weights or whatever, and and the guy pulls the the pulls the little uh, uh whatever that. Like it's like a safety pin or something, yeah. Yeah, some sort of safety pin so that the so that like two hundred and something pounds go down on him and he can't get up yeah. and all that. So yeah, like everything in this is just like this is just a lower it, version of what we saw. Yeah, in because the shaking machine thing is not really that interesting. Like I never thought that. No, but, but it is memorable. Like you remember that, mm-hmm. you know. You're never. Yeah. I forgot. You just mentioned that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot they even did that and. Mm-hmm. But they did it in such an un like it just uh, yeah uh, I, I yeah I just don't I this isn't like the worst Bond movie not even close I mean this is not as bad as Man with the Golden Gun or anything but nope but it's just like it's kind of like uh, for your eyes only though it's just there's just nothing really that is cat nothing other than Barbara Carrera which might be will be one of my one of my favorite performances in any Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish she just had like you know a hundred films we could go watch. I mean, she is in a decent amount of stuff. Like she she has been in things, but I don't know if she's gotten a role like this where. And I, like I said, I don't think her role is written that well. I think she just went at it in an interesting way, and mm-hmm. I think she made it work. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, like because like like let's say they made Kim Basinger that. I will say this too. I wonder if 
I and I think I even mentioned this. We talked about Thunderball, like the 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 um, what was her name in Thunderball? It wasn't Fatima Blush. It was something else. I had it written down. It was uh, Fiona. Um, I mm-hmm. think I remember saying we were talking about Thunderball. I wonder if Famke Jansen, you know, was kind of basing some of her stuff on that character. But I even more wonder if she was basing some of her character, the Xena Onatope, on mm-hmm. the Fatima Blush character. Because they seem very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, which I haven't seen Goldeneye in a while. So I could watch that and be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But she just, mm-hmm. like, I think it's just that, like, I, like when, uh, like, I remember the scene in Goldeneye where, like, she... She kills the guy she's having sex with, and she or no, she's fighting Bond, and she just has like that lust like in her face, like the way she looks at him. And I felt the same mm-hmm. with the way Barbara Carrera was uh, fucking around with Connery. Speaking of which, that sex seems hilarious too to me because she's got like a bathing suit or something on, and when she decides she's just gonna like, basically attack him and just fuck his brains out or whatever, she just takes one <laughs> strap down. It was like I don't know why, but it caught. It, I just thought it was really funny. It was just like. Yeah, that's your limitations so. of you you can't put it you can't make it an R-rated one so you so that's the best you can do. Yeah, cuz there's still I mean you get a lot of side boob. Like there's a lot of side boob in this movie. Maybe more than yes, any of the yes, other films, but definitely so. <laughs> but yeah, that scene that scene yeah, that, that scene with her that that they have that they're all, they're on that rocking boat and yeah. it's like they're sliding <laughs> they're sliding crazy. up and down and it and it and it transitions pretty well into them going into the water yes. yeah like they they they, they, they you see them slide down at an angle and the very next scene almost seamlessly they're going down into the water like they just jumped yeah, there cool. and from i, the I boat. think kirschner yeah. is a pretty good director i mean empire strikes back is great i mean he can obviously direct a movie mm-hmm. uh so i mean i think he but i just don't know that he adds a lot here but i mean but he does there is some stuff like that that uh uh, are definitely interesting to watch. It looks good. Like, it doesn't look bad or anything. It looks just as good as Octopussy looked. I just, I don't know. I just don't, there's just nothing that really interests me in it. Like, A, you're just watching Thunderball again. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that they're replacing, I think you're dead right. It's It, it feels like low-rent versions. And then the 80s, the kind of mm-hmm. the kind of updated stuff they add, like the video games, which seems so dated now, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. at the time, and I still... But yeah, it's so weird watching people in suits in an arcade playing Centipede. And how pissed mm-hmm. would you be if you watched yeah. an arcade and it was all Centipede? <laughs> oh, I would be very upset. Like, there's, there was a lot of game, other games back in 1983. <laughs> might, Come on now. To, maybe they had to get rights to whoever... They probably I don't didn't. I don't... But Bally, Bally Midway was like the main... <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. Valley Midway. We're talking about that in a Bond podcast. That's awesome. Uh, what was that guy's mm-hmm. name though? It made me think like uh, like that would have been funny if they had made him like the who's the the in uh, uh, a fistful of Kong or whatever that or fistful of quarters. Oh, Billy. Yeah, Billy you mean Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Who, by the way, there is a an actor named Billy Mitchell. Is there? Right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be amazing if that's true. I was just amazed uh, because yes, Billy J- Billy J. Mitchell plays oh, Captain nice. Peterson in this. Movie. I just thought I thought it was funny mm-hmm. too because just like out of randomly, I had watched Willow not too long ago, and like you got two actors that are mm-hmm. in that, and then also what's the guy the Brad from what's his what's that actor's name? Yeah, Gavin O'Hurley. Yeah, he he's plays, in Willow uh, as well. He's like Eric or whatever. He's like Val Kilmer's. Yeah, he plays Eric like, friend, I guess. <laughs> but uh, he's also in the Descent Part Two. And I just had recently watched that, like maybe in the last few months, I'd watched that. So it's like I'm just watching a lot of Gavin, mm-hmm. <laughs> really apparently. 
I'm a fan. Yeah. I love Brad. Justice, justice for mm-hmm. Brad and Super. That'll that'll come out in our Superman series. <laughs> no. Yeah. Superman three also came out in 1983, by the way, and it was yeah. actually it finished mm-hmm. uh, a little above. But I think it was like right past the top ten. It was like eleven or twelve or something. But because I saw it listed mm-hmm. in the in the in the rankings, eighty uh, three was not a great year for sequels. <laughs> it was uh, no, no, it doesn't look, except for Return of the Jedi. Well, except yeah, obviously Return of the Jedi. I, Amityville three mm-hmm. D. I think that was the three D stuff too, right? I mean, that was like. Which yeah, 82 was Friday the 13th, had, uh, but you had Jaws Psycho and 2. Huh? Psycho 2. Psycho 2's good. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I like Psycho look at, 2. I'm looking at the in-year releases. Let's see. So, yeah, Psycho 2, Porky's 2 the next day. I'm assuming that's not good. I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, although it made $33 million. Oh, Imagine yeah. coming out with a, come out with a Porky's movie this year. Like it'd be, It would not make. <laughs> Seven million. I think it's like which this is a couple years from now because Police Academy doesn't come out to eighty four. But I think I looked up like Police Academy two. Like if you did like whatever that year was where I was adjusting it for an inflation, it would have been like almost a two hundred million dollar movie. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, (laughs) right? Police Academy two. Wow. Because I mean, even some of these Marvel movies and some that that make a lot of money that I don't like. I'm I don't think I'm ever going to think they're as bad as Police Academy 2. The Sting 2 came out in this yeah, year. Yeah, that's a bad in sequel. A, in Amityville 3D, Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. I'm I assume that's not good. I don't even think Burt Reynolds is in that. Uh, I I haven't seen it. I haven't either, uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure like maybe he has a cameo, but I think it's like another it's like his son or it's something. It's funny, I came all the way down. These are re-releases, but it was like Rocky <laughs> Three was like at 145. I was like, what bullshit? I know it made more than that. No, it was just a re-release. Yeah, I think it. I think it was. It was definitely top ten in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, I don't. I don't. Do you have anything else to say before we do rankings? I don't. I mean, it's no. just. I. I I kind of rec- like. I said I don't like it. It's like a two star movie probably, but. Mm-hmm. I would still watch it just for Barbara Carrera. I don't. Yep. And that, and, and I, I hope I, I hope I'm not coming off like pervy. It's it's just like, but it is like it's a very sexual character. Like that's kind, you know, it's just a very like. Yeah, it's 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 got that Xenia on a top feel yeah, to and she's, it. She's, and she's also she's very, a bit crazy, she's, and she's brutal, and like she mm-hmm. doesn't care who she kills and wants to enjoy yeah. it. It's. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. masochist, I guess. It's kinda. pretty awesome. It's she's pretty awesome. She's pretty well suited for the Bond movie. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like one of those. It's like wow, that's amazing. So I, you know, it's definitely something I would probably watch again just to watch her because she's she's very mm-hmm. good. I just think the rest of the movie is just like you said. It's Thunderball light, and we're not huge yeah. Thunderball fans, so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so for the rankings, uh, we are going to rank this film in five different categories. Uh, I think we gave away already our ranking for the, the song though. I think we already, (laughs) yeah, our scale will be based on something that bond holds near and dear to his heart. As long as they are shaken and not stirred. And that would be martinis. So for each category, we will rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips. One being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. So. The overall story, I guess I'll go because I already said this is this is definitely like this is a straight up two star for me. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's it's in the same vein as uh like you only live twice. Like I'd probably yep. put it about that level. Like they're they're kind of very similar type movies yeah. for me. What do you think? Same, same. It's two. All right. Uh, Bond. I think you like Connery in this better than I did, so I'm curious. Yeah, to hear. I mean, I think he's I think he's pretty still on par with what he was doing back in the '60s. I mean, except except those first those earlier were earlier ones, but like his latter half, 
I don't think there's much difference, and especially the, like I said, that one scene where he gives that dude that case and he tells him that so there's a gyroscope in it and all that. I think there's, there's some genuine little fun moments in this, and I, you know, I, I think just it just comes down to the fact that Connery's Connery, so I would give him a three in this one. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm still pretty close to three, so I guess that's what I'll do. I because it is Connery. Like it's it's really weird giving Connery like a two. Like that just doesn't seem mm-hmm. right. But he, I just yeah. don't think he's like. I just don't think he's into this, and I don't care that he's not. He shouldn't be. It's not that interesting. So like, mm-hmm. I can't really blame him. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, like he's just I don't know. It's it's probably my least favorite performance of his in this mm-hmm. franchise. But at the same time, it's also, it's not like fucking Zardoz or something like that. Yeah. Or even Highlander where he's, which I know people love Highlander, but like, I, it's weird. He's like a Spanish, Scottish person. Yeah. I don't understand yeah, it at it's all. it's weird. It's very uh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh man. Uh, so the villain henchman, uh, if it was just Largo, it maybe would do like a three, but I'm, yeah. I, it's a four for me just because of Fatima. So, yeah, Fatima makes it a four. If it was just Fatima, it's a five. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think this would be mm-hmm. our first like five if we haven't had one. Mm-hmm. Maybe Goldfinger, maybe we did. Yeah, yeah, four yeah. Or five. But, uh, yeah, no, I, that, I mean, you're not supposed to review a movie for what it's not, but God damn it, they messed up. This should have been her being the villain. I don't know. I don't understand how you don't realize what you have. Have yeah, I mean, change just, it. Just change it midway. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, who yeah. cares? Right. Oh, my God. Uh, the gadgets, uh, there's really nothing. I mean, we have the just pen. Just the one thing, the pen. Yeah, so. And it's, it's okay. Yeah, two, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's a two. It's a two, probably. Uh, are you going to well, do, a, are you finally going to give a Bond song a one? <laughs> yeah, this is a one. <laughs> This is a one. I might have to go no back doubt. and actually raise some of mine because I think like Man with the Golden Gun was bad, but my God, like Yeah, this this one really makes you not in the mood to watch no, a movie. It, when it, exactly. When it when, it, when it's, it's like, playing, you just like, man, what the shit like I look, <laughs> this has nothing to do with Bond. I've been watching a ton of movies from like the early eighties, yeah. like these shitty horror movies and yeah. stuff. And and I, I this came on and they play the never say never song and i was like man this is no different from everything else i've been watching recently that's how bad that it's, is it's there's nothing so. there's no like urgency to it there's no atmosphere to it there's nothing to it mm-hmm. i mean at least man with the golden gun like that feels like somebody trying to do a bond song like this this, yeah. I don't know if they were trying to be a little different, but if the, but they weren't different enough. But it, but then they just I don't know. It's like I don't know if they just all of it fell apart. They should have just had James Horner score the goddamn movie. <laughs> this wouldn't. This might yeah, not right? nothing because wrong with the other dude though. He's good. Yeah. Right. But I don't know. I don't know James Horner. I don't know what he would have written. I guess the the my heart goes on for 1983. Probably. Probably he would have had he would have probably had sixteen year old Celine Dion play, singing the song. I don't know how don't old either. she was at the time. But. That might be right though. <laughs> be amazing. Be amazing if I was right. <laughs> Knowing you, you probably are. Uh, you're like I know mm-hmm. she was born in 1960. Whatever that would be, 67, 68. Yeah, she she would have been 15. All right. So, anyways, yes. Yeah, so that is uh, that is our show for today. Like I said, I just didn't, uh, and this might happen on some of the later ones too. We might we because I mean, I mean, some of these get to where there's no more books to adapt. So uh, we'll just kind of have to see how we go. Yeah. But that was why we didn't do Spy Who Reads Me this week. But if you do want to know more about the Thunderball book, 
uh, please go back and listen to the Thunderball episode because we, we get into a lot of detail with it there. But thank you for joining us this week. We hope you will join us again next week when we're going to be talking about A View to a Kill, which I believe is about a Duran Duran song. Uh, mm-hmm. nothing else also before we go we have social media uh, you can reach us on twitter uh, we are at goldspy 7 uh, you can also reach out to me directly on twitter i am at sam loomis 13 you can email us at gold diamond death 7 at gmail.com uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the cinema sense brand we also have a patreon you can join at patreon.com slash cinema sense and if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice we would appreciate it Uh, So, yeah, we're going to be talking about A View to a Kill next week. I hope you join us. Uh, Until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off. We will see you next mission. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 